All right, Proverbs chapter number 15. We'll read maybe down to uh, verse number 18 and try to finish up what we started the other day, okay? Proverbs chapter number 15, the Bible said, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools for thy foolishness. We understand here, no doubt, you understand that there is a knowledgeable way to use the tongue, and there is a foolish way to use the tongue. We want to try to uh, maybe look into that a little bit deeper here in a few minutes. The Bible said, The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of uh, the heart of the foolish doth not sow. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination of the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination of the Lord, but he loveth him that falleth after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. He that hateth reproof shall die. Now, we, we, it's hard sometimes to put the book of Proverbs in context because there's so much uh, different uh, things being said in the Proverbs. Uh, but we, we look here in chapter number 15 and we can, we can look at a soft answer. And we're looking at that of the tongue. Then in verse number 10, we're dealing with that of correction, and correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. So uh, as I've said before, and I just want to clarify and make sure you understand, sometimes uh, what has to be said causes some difficulty with the person that's hearing, okay? And sometimes we have to take the Word of God, and uh, as we use the Word of God, the Word of God, no doubt, will cause a person from time to time, depending on the situation, uh, to feel a little bit of an ouch, okay? Uh, but uh, I'm not at all trying to say that we should skirt around an issue, nor should we try to preach in a manner that we never get around to saying what it is that we need to say. Uh, we ought to say exactly what thus saith the Lord. Uh, but the Bible says, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. I think... Contextually, what we need to understand about Proverbs chapter 15, we ought to just think about what it is that we're going to say before we say it. And I, I promise you that's the pot calling the kettle black tonight because I have to be careful sometimes and literally bite my tongue uh, and to, to, to stop and think about what it is that I say before I say it. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, Brother Gene, I say things you can tell instantly by the look on someone else's face that I should have stopped and thought about it before I said it. And sometimes you realize that you've done said it, and it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't remember where the analogy come from, but it's like taking two toothpaste, taking the lid off of it, and squeezing it. And once you squeeze it and it comes out, you're not going to put the toothpaste back in the container, okay? So uh, the Bible says, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. All right, let's, uh, let's drop down to verse number 18. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger uh, appeaseth strife. 
And we understand that a person that wants to stir up trouble can do just that. And so there's a there's there's two sides to every coin. The word of God and taking the word of God and saying truth sometimes will cause people not to appreciate what it is that you have to say. But then on the other side, there's a wrathful man that stirs up strife. He says what he says for the sake of stirring up strife. And I don't think that we've got an issue with that for, per se, with people in the church trying to stir up strife. But I know it's our nature, as we'll find in the book of James in a little while, just to let our tongue, that unruly member, get the better of us sometimes. The Bible tells us that that, with that tongue, there's blessing and cursing. And it ought not be so, the Bible says, but by nature, we have a tendency to be that way. All right, so if you will, quickly, let's look at James chapter number three for just a moment and consider a few things here tonight Lord being our helper. James chapter number three. James chapter number three. All right. Now, uh, the Bible says here, my brethren, be not many, uh, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. Any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us when we turn about their whole body. And essentially, I believe we can look at this and come to the conclusion uh, just by using the example of a horse and putting bits in a horse's mouth. If we could ever get control of the member that we have on our face, we if we ever master that, we'll master the rest uh, of the body. All right. And so uh, I believe that we ought to uh, we ought to work towards that goal, uh, and uh, we ought to say what we mean and mean what we say, but we really ought to think about it and be certain that when it comes out of our mouth, that we can stand behind it. Okay. So the Bible says here, "Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so, the tongue is a little member, boasts great things. Behold, how great." A matter, a little fire kindleth. Now, we understand that the bits in the horse's mouth controls uh, the body of the horse. And if we could control our mouth, it would, we could get control uh, over our body. But we understand that we can consider the ship here. Uh, the ship is driven, uh, uh, says they be so great are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. So just a small portion uh, of the ship, a very tedious portion of the ship, uh, even fragile, you might say, in regards to the rest of the ship, uh, controls the direction uh, of the ship. And so I want to say this, sometimes our uh, our member on our face or the member in our mouth uh, causes other people to be turned one way to the left or to the right. So even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. Now we understand that it doesn't take long when you start a small fire and give it the right kind of fuel uh, that it turns into a big fire. And so this little member that's in our mouth, this tongue, uh, is a fire and uh, a world of uh, iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed 
of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Then we're going to read the rest of this down to verse 13, but I want you to, to pay very close attention to verse number 8. We're going to move back to it in just a moment. So therewith blessed we God, even the Father, and therewith cursed we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be, that the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Question mark. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So the Bible asks a question in verse, 13, verse number 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? It takes some knowledge and some wisdom to control the tongue that's in your face. And the older I get, the more I realize I've said things, done things, what I wish I hadn't have done, formed opinions. And opinions are one thing, but they're totally, something totally different when they come out of your mouth. Uh, I've had an opinion or two that was wrong. Had they come out of my mouth, I'd have done a lot of uh, damage with that. And I'll be honest with you, I've had some opinions come out of my mouth before. Uh, that done damage and found out later that I was just flat out wrong in my approach and the way I thought. And what I said as a whole just wasn't right. And uh, so it, it, it kindled a fire. But here's what I'm interested in. Verse number eight. The Bible said that the tongue can no man tame is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, a lot of people will use this verse of scripture as a justification to justify what they do with their tongue, what they do with their mouth and say, oh, I can't be helped, you know. But I want us to understand the tongue can no man tame, but I know one that can. And I'm not trying to control my mouth in and of myself because in and of myself, I'm not able to. But if I use uh, utilize the scripture and the Lord and prayerfully uh, seek the Lord's help, I can get control over my mouth. Now, having said that and, and understanding that, we understand if you read 1 Peter chapter number 4 uh, and verse number 11, the Bible said, let's back up to 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. God in all things would be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. An oracle is to speak as if God is the one speaking. So to speak as other oracles of God, we are to speak as if it's God doing the speaking. Now, you're probably sick of hearing it, and I, I mean, I guess you could get sick of hearing it, but let me remind us, only prophets spoke a revelation of God. We are no, we're not prophets, and we don't have that ability. So if we're to speak as other oracles of God, we're going to have to speak and give an answer through the Scripture. And so if you come to me, and this, this, this works in all facets of life, you don't have to be dealing with a terrible, terrible problem in your life and come to me needing an answer, uh, and that be the only time that I use the Scripture to talk to you. It can be through anything. I mean, everyday living, everything that's going on, I can encourage you or help you or talk to you out of the Word of God. The Lord has something to think about everything. And although not everything is just flat out black and white, and listen, I understand there's some gray areas here 
But I want you to know that there's some things that the Bible don't have to specifically speak about for you to get the principles that the Bible is teaching us to, to apply that to our situation. All right? And I don't have an example right now for, per se. I have one come to my mind, but I'm not going to use this particular example. But what I'm saying is there's, there's times in the Scripture where the Bible will say, Thou shalt not, or Thou shalt. And we can look at the, the scripture and talk about wine. You know, wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Whoever deceived thereby is not wine. And so we can take a black and white that wine is wrong. But there are some things that we consider when we consider this temple, this body uh, that the Lord lives in. And we can take some principles through the scripture and make some application, even though the Bible may not say something as specific as it does uh, maybe with wine. Okay. But we want to speak as of the oracles of God. All right, so how do we do that? Well, I'm interested in Isaiah chapter number 50, considering that James chapter number three and eight says, but the tongue can no man take. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Well, if I can't tame it and it's full of deadly poison, I better start seeking some guidance and some help because poison kills. Poison kills. So we need to understand that we have within our face right now the ability to cause more trouble than we could ever fix to, as a collective body without the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we do know that prevention is worth, is worth more than the cure, right? So we're trying to prevent some things. And it's good for us to learn uh, how to deal with this tongue that's in our mouth. So let's go to Isaiah for chapter number 50 for just a moment. Isaiah chapter number 50. Now, when we consider Isaiah chapter number 50, we need to look at this in a prophetic light as you do Isaiah chapter number 53 or even Isaiah chapter number 52. As we consider Isaiah chapter number 50, the Bible tells us, and we'll just read verse number one real quick. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement whom I have put away? Question mark. Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Question mark. Behold, your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh because there is no water. And I for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness, and I make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the worm, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth my ear to hear as the worm. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave, listen to this now, verse number six, and I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hat. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. We're, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ here. He gave his back to the smiters. He gave his cheeks to have his beard plucked, Brother Gene. And he said, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. So we see that there was shame and they spat on him and they treated him unruly. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a plant. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. So, so now we know what we're dealing with. We know who we're dealing with. We're looking at the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter number 50. But I want to call your attention to verse number four specifically. 
Bible said the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. He didn't say the Lord God has given me the tongue of the Lord God. Now notice this. He said the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. How does anyone apart from Jesus Christ know how to speak and use the tongue? Through the word of God. That's the only way. So here's what I would like for you to, to understand and, and pay attention to here. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the worm that I should know how to speak a word and season to him that is weary. So it would be not doing any harm to the scripture to say that the Lord uh, Jesus Christ had the tongue of the worm, but that the, the tongue of the worm could speak as Jesus Christ. Now, how is that possible? The only way is through the scripture or through that of a prophet having divine revelation of God, which you're not a prophet and I'm not either. So understanding all of this scripture wasn't written specifically to me. We are applying it to ourselves and can apply it to ourselves. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. So we can learn how to use our tongue. You cannot justify what James chapter number three is saying uh, as and take it out of context when the Bible says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. We cannot walk away tonight and say that we're justified in allowing our tongue to do and say whatever it wants to anytime our brain thinks it because, you know, hey, it's all right because we're just flesh and no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. But we know one that can, right? And so here's what I want us to understand. There's a time that we are to uh, to be quiet. There's a time that we are to think. Now, as we read Proverbs chapter number 15, and I dealt with this matter of a soft answer, turneth away wrath, but grievous words to our finger. We look at uh, Proverbs 15 in the context of almost keeping our lips zipped and be quiet and think about it before we speak. All right, because we're, we're, we're trying to bridle ourselves. We're trying to check ourselves back. We're trying to control ourselves as the bit is in the horse's mouth controls the whole body. But I want us to understand this also. When we read Isaiah chapter number 50, we're talking about a, the Lord Jesus Christ having the tongue of the worm. And I like the way this is worded because it gives me hope uh, for the Marvin that I can check myself back and through the help of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Ghost of God and through his word, I actually obtain to a place where I get some kind of victory over the tongue that's in my mouth. And uh, it would be inexcusable for me just to walk around all the time popping off just for the sake of saying that James chapter 3 tells me that I have an unruly tongue and there's not anything I can do about it. There's not anything that I can do about it, but there's something that he can do about it. But the Lord God has given me the tongue of the worm that I should know. So we should know some things. That I should know how to speak a word in season. So there's a time and a place for an appropriate word. Now, as we're going to understand, as we're going to look at this contextually, we're fixing to see this in the context of encouragement. And uh, you'll hear a lot of times with people when we, when we try to deal with Proverbs 15 and we'll talk about a soft answer as if we're bridling back the tongue and almost keeping ourselves from saying 
what it is that we want to say that people will have the attitude sometimes dogmatically. Well, if it's the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, the truth is true. The truth's always right. And we're always to say the truth. But it's it's uh, it's how we say some things, all right? But I want us to understand this also. There's some times where there's a, a word that should be spoken in a season, and it should be fitly spoken in a timely manner for a timely situation. And so here's what I want you to understand, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. All right, so let me say this. As we try to get control of this tongue, there's some times when we need to learn that we might ought to check it back then there are some other times when we need to be acutely aware of what's going on around us. Now, how am I going to be able to speak a word in due season to someone that's weary if I'm not paying attention to what's going on around me? Now, we as a body of believers are here to love one another. We love each other. Why? We, we, we know that we love him, that he loves us. We love him because he first loved us, but we know that we love him because we love the brethren, right? And so here's the thing, considering that we are a body and we're together and we're fitly joined together, I care about you and you care about me. And so I can't walk around every day of my life with my head in the sand, not paying attention to what's going on around. And we're private people. Would you all agree with that? There's things in my life that I don't share with everybody. There's things in your life that you don't share with everybody. There's conversations that you'll have with people that you may not have with me. There's private conversations that people will confide or have confidence with a confidant or talk to somebody that they're close to in a relationship. You know, I'm going to say things and talk to my wife about things that I wouldn't discuss with you. And I, and, and I may have someone that I would discuss something with uh, in the church, maybe an officer of the church in private, in confidence, that I wouldn't want to share with everybody else in the church. But I will say this, we can look around us. We can pay attention to what's going on. And we can see through somebody's countenance. You know, it's not hard. And I wish it was harder than what it is. But it's not hard for you to tell if I've had a hard week. And I've had a long day. And I've been out and nothing's worked right. Nothing's went right. And everything's coming at you from every angle. Sometimes it's on my countenance. You know, but here's what I'm saying. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season, so there's a right time. Okay, there's a the time matters. There's a there's an essence to the time. All right, a word in season to him that is weird. When you pay attention to the brethren and you love the brethren, and see, you're not going to pay attention to people if you don't care about. Them. But when you care, and this doesn't mean that you're going to know everything about everybody just by looking at their countenance. But I promise you, the longer that we're together and the more that I learn about you and the more you learn about me, it's a lot easier for me to pick up on the fact somebody's had a bad day or somebody's got a lot on them or there's worry in their life or there's trouble, there's strife, there's things brewing. And so when I learn and I speak as of the oracles of God, and if any man speak, but he speak as of the oracles of God, there is a time where it's fitting for you to through wisdom and understanding and through learning to be able to say something to somebody to help them when they're weary. Now you understand today that we are individual human beings who do have a body and a body gets tired. 
And, and, and I'm thank God I'm going to have a new body one of these days. When my body gets tired, I get weak in the flesh. I get worn out. You do the same thing. And, and the troubles and the trials of the life, it's almost like if, if we're not careful, we end up fighting the wrong battles. What do you mean? Well, we fight ourselves. Sometimes I get caught up in the day-to-day -day and the trouble that comes at me from every angle. And I wouldn't dare ever say that my life is that of Job. I don't ever want to get there. But what I would say is sometimes things come up in a, in a day that you don't expect, you know. You get a phone call from a loved one that needs you to come and help them because, you know, you've run out to your tongues hanging out of your mouth and then somebody needs some help. They need you some more and you go help them. And then this person down at the church calls you because of the roof's leaking or something like that, you know. There's things that happen in an individual's life that eventually gets to be more than a person can bear on their own. And so what do you, what do, you do? Well, you, you have to learn the Lord God the Bible said, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. This comes from the Lord. Now, you will have to be right with God, and you'll have to read the scriptures, and you'll have to get tuned in. But I'll tell you, there's been some times, Brother Gene, that this old boy right here has been having a bad day and having some problems. And some preacher that don't even know what's going on in my life or know what's happening in my day will call me or send me a text and say, hey, the Lord just laid you on my heart. What is that, friend? That's the Lord God giving an individual the tongue of the worm to pay attention to what's going on. But I should know how to speak a word in season to him. That is weird. He waketh morning by morning. He waketh my ear to hear as the worm. So I'm going to say this. I believe... Uh, in my heart right here, reading verse number four, that the Lord, we understand that Lord Jesus Christ was the word personified. But the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. But if you drop down to the end of that verse, it said, morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. How do we learn? Well, we're close to the Lord. How are we close to the Lord? How do we hear from the Lord? Through his word. If we don't read his word, our relationship, fellowship, our fellowship gets distant, right? I'm, I'm, I'm positive and persuaded that the Lord Jesus Christ knew something about the word of God. Now, he is the word personified, but he talked about to the devil that which was written. It is written. It is written. It is written. The Lord knew about the written word of God. All right? And so morning by morning, he waited my ear, my ear to hear as the learned. So he understood as the learned understood. Are we learned today? Let me ask you that. Well, probably not, probably not what we ought to be, but we are endeavoring to be more and more and more. But the, the idea like this, it said, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the, of the learned, not those that are, that are learning, but those that are learned. They've already, they've already learned. They've already understood. They've already been down that road. They, they know but I like the fact that the Lord calls out specifically that there is a season in which we are to speak to people a word who is weary. So let me say to you this. We ought not be boastful. Now the Bible teaches us that if, if someone's going, we're not to brag on ourselves. And I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't even brag on someone in the church for the sake of uplifting them above God. But I will say this, when somebody is focused on doing something 
that God wants them to do and they've given their life for that cause. There's nothing wrong with you making sure that they know that you appreciate it or that you've taken notice. I've had some people in my life that's been so faithful to the house of God and it's been such an encouragement to me that I wasn't set to, to, to lift them up in pride or to build them up, but I wanted them to know that I took notice of it. And I heard a preacher say something that I had never really paid attention to, but he talked about leaving your mark on people. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you take a dry erase marker and you take it across a board and write something. Well, I come along and I read what you wrote on the board. Well, it, it may have helped me, but with one swipe, I can erase that off the board. And somewhere down last road, I forgot what's said. But then there's some people in your life that leave a take a they take a permanent marker and they write something on a board and you can't get that off to save your life. And I want to be the type of individual that don't leave a dry erase mark. I want to leave a permanent mark so when I'm gone, people say, "Hey, I learned something today." And so here's the thing: we we see people that go through trouble. Turn quickly to Psalm chapter number thirty-seven. Psalms chapter number thirty-seven. I want to read one verse of scripture here. One verse of scripture. And while, while you're turning to Psalms 37, let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 3. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and this is what he says. That I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now this is God's man. I, I believe in my heart that you could say that we could we can apply this to Paul and to the church of Corinth. He said, I was with you in weakness. Who was in weakness? The church of Corinth or Paul? Both. And in fear. Both. And in much trembling. Both. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom. Now we lean heavily on preaching, you know, and and being hid behind the shadow of the cross and, and preaching and demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost. And we should. We ought to be prayed up, studied up, and when we get in the pulpit, the Lord ought to help us, okay? I know what it is to stand behind a pulpit without the help of God. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. It's not fun. And when you get done, you're determined not to ever let that happen to you again. All right? But here's what I'm saying. Uh, we, we, we look at Paul here and he says, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man. He distinguishes it between two different two different deals here. He's not just talking about preaching, but he says, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. He's saying not just when I was preaching, but when I was talking. When I just was used in my speech to communicate to you, church at Corinth, I wanted you to know that, uh, that I was not speaking to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. We ought to be close enough to the Lord. We ought to be read up in the Bible well enough uh, and do it on a, on a day-by-day collective basis to have the word of God in our heart so that when we run up to, to run into someone or somebody a long last way that's having trouble and they're in a weary state of mind, that we can say, uh, like Isaiah chapter number 50, and like the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. 
You know, we, we concentrate on controlling our tongue and we're trying to concentrate on, on saying the right things and bridling back the wrong things and thinking about what we say before we say them. But here's the thing about it. When we have to speak to someone in the right season, the right moment, the right time, you know, just that time that they need the help. And that don't come from you all being wise, but it comes from the Spirit of the Lord helping you to say the right things at the right time for the right purpose, for somebody who is weary. You do realize that there's a level of concentration that has to be taken towards the individual you're speaking to. If I come up and say something that's for the shame that absolutely doesn't have anything to do with his life or what's going on in his life, it's not going to make sense to him. What's this idiot talking about? He's just talking gibberish. But if I say something to Brother Shane out of love that pertains to his situation, that'll help him in his moment of, of problems or in his weariness, not only did I speak what the Lord laid on my heart, but he walks away knowing that there's no way that that come out of his mouth unless the Lord ordered it just for me. I've had times when that's happened, when people spoken to me or said something to me that was for me in that time. They didn't fully understand. But boy, what a difference it made in my life. Because I knew the Lord had ordered that up. Okay? And so, having said that, when we start concentrating on those that are around us and paying attention to the troubles and the trials that's going on in the lives of others that are in our midst, then you'll find you're not concentrating on your tongue as much as you are the people that's going through the problems in your life. When I start concentrating on what other people are going through, I realize I don't have to work as hard to bite back. I'm not biting on my tongue as much. My mind's in gear. I'm thinking about what's going on. You know, a lot of times we're in neutral and our tongue starts flapping and we're rolling off the heel doing 100 and we're not in gear. And uh, if we was in gear paying attention to what's going on around us, uh, we wouldn't have to bite our tongue as hard. Because we would understand that there's other people that's going through problems. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you need to understand this. What is the context here in Isaiah 50? We go from verse 4 over to verse 6 where it says, I gave my back to the smiters and the cheeks of them that plucked off the hair. I had not my face from shame and spitting. Now this is the Lord saying that I've learned to speak a word in due season, in due time, for somebody that was weary, yet we're looking context that him giving his back to the sniders and his cheeks to them uh, that plucked off the hair. And he said, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Yet we're finding out that he's concerned about giving a word uh, in the appropriate time to someone that's weary. He learned how to do that. Well, what do we hear on the cross of Calvary? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How in the world can a man say that? I've learned that if I start concentrating my mind on people and the problems that they have, my problems don't look nearly as big as they did before I started considering everyone else. You know, I'm just going to be honest tonight. It's very easy to get caught up in what you have going on. And I've got news for you. You've got it going on and so do I. I, I and I wouldn't trade with some of you on misunderstanding. But what I'm saying is I get up in the morning and I go fight my own problem. I go fight my own battles. I go fight what's going on in my life. And then I come in from work, you know, and I'm hot and I'm tired and I'm sweaty and I've had a rough day. 
And everybody better clear out of the way, you know, because I just don't feel good. And I don't want to be messed with. And I don't want to be bothered. But when I actually stop and consider, like the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that, that we know was given his uh, back to the uh, smiters and his cheeks of them that plucked off the hair, you know, and that was spit on and, and in shame. Considering everyone else around me, when I start considering other people around me, I have to stop and say, Lord, I'm sorry, because I'm not going through near as much as I thought I was. And then when I get my mind in, in that kind of, when I get in that frame of mind, I realize I'm not biting on my tongue near as hard. And I realize that I'm not in neutral, just coasting and letting my tongue flap out of my lips and bump my gums and say something ignorant that I'm not going to be able to put back in and not hurt somebody or said something to somebody that I shouldn't say. And the, you'll find that the times that we do that is most of the time the shame we're thinking more of ourselves than we ought to think. We rarely say anything to anyone that's hurtful unless we're thinking more of ourselves than we, than we ought to. Even sometimes when we deal with people that's living in sin, and I am not at all telling you that we should uh, agree with sin or let sin go on and not deal with it, but sometimes when we approach people that's living in sin, we don't approach them with the understanding that you and I were just like they were at some point in our life, and had it not been for mercy and grace, we would be in hell tonight. But we actually get almost mean or dogmatic or arrogant because how in the world can that person continue to do this day after day after day? You know, we're praying for them and we're begging them and we're talking to them and we're trying to see them get right. You know, you get frustrated and you almost get high mighty. Then you stop and think about all the time that you wasn't in church. And all the times we should have been in the house of God. And all the times somebody knocked on our door or called us or prayed for us. And then we start realizing, uh-oh, I might have got a little high and mighty in the way that I acted. There was sin, sin, we ought to call it what it is. Boy, we ought not have to have the person we're talking to really look deep into our eyes to find out if there's any love in what it is that we're saying to them. Now, understand, please, that when we read the book of Psalms, and we read our Proverbs, rather, and we deal with a soft answer, there's also that time, you know, when correction is hard for people to take. But they ought to be able to look in the eyes and know that what's coming out of your mouth is out of love. And when your mind is engaged about them and what's going on in their life and not on yourself, you have a tendency to be able to speak as that person with the right tone at the right time in the right season, you know, to help someone who's in trouble. But it, it has to be learned. That is something you need to realize. It's not natural. It's not automatic. What's natural? What's natural is for me to say something stupid. What's natural is for me to say something that I can't take back. And so I have to bridle it back. And the only way that I can check my bridle myself back and speak as of the oracles of God is if I'm learned. And the only way I can be learned is through the scripture. And the more of this you get inside of you, the more like God you think, because we don't think like God. And the only way to know what God's thinking is to read what it is that he left for us. And when we do that, and we run into problems and issues and struggles and trials in people's lives, we can stop and say, hey, we might ought to help them or give them a word. Or the Lord might give you an opportunity to give them a word that's fitting in the right time. 
Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of manliness, but in demonstration uh, of the spirit and of power. So he demonstrated the Lord. The Lord through man was demonstrated. And the only way that can happen is if that man was yielded to the Lord and spoke as if the oracles of God. And the only way he could do that was to know what God had to say about something. And that happened, that's what the Lord is expecting out of us. Now, quickly, I, and I've, I've done, had you hold in Psalms 37. We're about done tonight, okay? I just wanted to back up, make sure I caught the rest of this because there was a lot more here uh, than I thought the last time we started down this road. Psalms 37. I'm interested uh, in uh, maybe the first four verses and primarily verse number one. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord. Do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Let's read verse 5. Commit thy way into the Lord, trust also in him, he shall bring it to pass. Now, first thing I want to call your attention to in verse number, or Psalms 37, verse number 1, is the very first word. Fret. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So there's two different aspects, two things that we're, we're being warned to, not to do. Number one, fret not thyself because of evildoers, and then not to be envious against the workers of iniquity. I want to deal with the first portion of this verse, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Now, uh, to fret is to be worn away. Now, we, we read about being weary and well-doing and talk about being weary and weary in our mind, you know, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners. Uh, I guess it's just they should be weary and faint in your mind. All right, so there's a, there's a difference. Fretting and weary or fretting and worrying. Fretting is more advanced than your average uh, term or uh, the word worry. To fret is to be worn away. Now, I can worry about something, or I can worry about something to the point that it turns into fretting. And fretting is to be worn away or to be corroded, and it's an agitation of mind. And so we, we advance from worry sometimes to fretting, and then when we fret, we understand that we are to be worn away. So our mind is so caught up with our worrying that we cannot concentrate on anything else because our agitation of the mind is causing us to literally corrode before everyone else. Now I want to say this. Why do we, why do we worry? Whatever's causing us to worry is, is there's a factor called fear. It can, be, it can be different things. It can be physical. It can be financial. It can be all kinds of things. I can fear that my house is going to be taken away from me if I don't pay for it. I can fear that. Or they're going to come get in my car if I don't make the payment on the car. That's a fear. But it's it's the worry is induced or caused by that fear. It can be anything. It can be health. It can be financial, whatever. But, but the worry eventually can turn into fretting, and fretting is to be worn away, to be corroded, 
It's an agitation of the mind. What's that mean? It can literally overtake your body. The fear, the very thing you're fearing that's causing the worry and the fretting, the fretting will take you down. What do you mean? Stress is a killer friend. Stress and fretting and worrying will degrade your body. It will cause you to literally corrode away. I know people personally, not inside this church, but personally outside the church that's got things going on in their life. They live in such a state of fear and worry and they fret and it controls them all the time. And the very thing that's worrying them that they're worrying about and trying to push through and get past is literally destroying their body. It's taking their health. It's taking its toll on their life, on their marriage, on their work. It's controlling them. And so here's what I want us to understand. We have that capability. We are flesh. And we have the capability of letting the trouble, the troubles and the trials and the issues of this life take such control of us mentally that we move from just worrying about it to it full on taking us by control. It takes us and controls us to the point that it literally is wearing us away and corroding us. It's worry to the point of stress and eventually causing you to be mentally falling apart. That's what it is. That's what the corrosion literally means. And so here's what we need to do. We as a people ought to be able to speak a word in due season to somebody that's weary. Instead, I find what we are likely to do is we're so focused on our own problems and our own situation that we don't take into consideration all the people maybe that's sitting in this building tonight that's got the same troubles and trials and problems of life and we end up kicking off in neutral and saying something we shouldn't have said when in all reality we need to do one thing and that's lean on each other. I find, and you'll find this too if you'll think about it, some of the people that hurt you the worst are the ones you're closest to. I mean, they are. They're the ones that will gut you and leave you bleeding. Why? I don't know why that is. It's just life. That's what happens. Why? Because we consider ourselves. You'll find that I'm my favorite person a lot of the time. And you're your favorite person a lot of the time. And you get focused on you and I get focused on me. And your problems aren't as big as mine and mine's not as big as yours. And next thing you know, we're in neutral and we've said something that's affected somebody else. But in all reality, if we were godly and right with the Lord, we would have spoken to them people with the tongue of the learned and give a word that was fitly spoken in the right time to help somebody that was weird. Now, I'm not here to beat up on you, but I am here tonight to make us aware. Because, trust me, I've been beat, up to, beat to death up to my eyeballs with this. My eyes should be swelled shut as the beating that I've taken over this particular message. I'm sure my wife's sitting back there going, hmm, I hope he takes half of that and applies it to his life and we'll have a happy home. But what I'm saying is, we, we, we got to understand today, we, we have to be careful how we deal with our tongue. But our tongue can be controlled, but it'll have to be something that we learn to do. And we have to know, first and foremost, how dangerous and poisonous it is. And a lot of times when our mouth lies open, we are not aware of the poison that is spewing out of our mouth, nor are we aware of the danger of it. If you have a loaded gun, 
You're not going to look down the barrel of it if you have any sense at all. But a lot of times we don't realize that what's in our mouth, we're pointing it at everybody when we get ready to talk to them. You wouldn't appreciate me pulling out a weapon that's loaded and pointing it at you. But I have a weapon in my mouth. And I have to control that weapon because if I'm not careful, I'll spew poison and poison kills. Poison kills. But if we're doing what the Lord wants us to do, we're speaking as the oracles of God. What we're doing, what we're saying is fitly spoken at a right time to help someone who's weary. Not to, not to kick those that are down, but to take those that are down and pick them back up again. All right. So uh, let me read to you here Philippians chapter number four and then we'll close tonight. Philippians chapter number four, understanding tonight, I do want to say this, we all have problems, and I, I'm not even going to get into the rest of this, I was going to get into the book of Jeremiah, but I will finish it up maybe next Wednesday night, Lord willing, uh, and try to tie all three of these messages in together, and it's so, the way I leave you tonight may seem a little strange, but we ain't got time nowhere near to get through the rest of this, okay, uh, but Philippians chapter four says, be careful for nothing, this is verse number six, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I want, to under, I want you to understand something. I'm not taking away from our problems. I'm not taking away from my problems. I'm not taking away from your problems. I'm not trying to tell you that your problems are not, not worthy of your time and that my problems are and that you ought to you ought to lift me up and forget about your problems because we all got problems. If we didn't have problems, we wouldn't be dealing with this situation in the life that we're dealing with. All right, but I do want to say this. We're talking about fretting, and it's very easy for your problems to get so big in your life and my problems to get so big in my life that we cause the fretting to get so far out of hand that our mental state gets so corroded that it'll eventually start corroding your physical state. And I want you to know you can have peace in your life, and it's not all spiritual, but this peace can help you physically. So what do you mean? Well, if your mental state is causing your physical state to go to the grave, if you never get peace in your heart, friend, you will not allow the stress to destroy your body the way that you do. Now, peace is this. Freedom from agitation or disturbance as from fear, terror, anger, or anxiety. Simply put, according to Mr. Webster, peace is just that of being calm or in a state of tranquility. Now, we have trouble. Oh, yes, and we have trials. But I do want you to understand something. It's possible to have peace in the midst of your troubles and your trials. Why? Because it's all in how we focus our mind. Our mind is our biggest problem today. Everything that happens in our life starts in our mind. All right. So here's, here's what I want us to get. And I'll be done. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your request be made known to God. We see, a, we see a, a, a mind frame just in how uh, Paul wrote to the church of Philippi here when he said in everything, that's all areas of your life, all problems, all troubles, all trials, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
You know, it's hard sometimes to deal with the troubles and the trials of your life and still maintain an attitude of thanksgiving. One of the key components here is maintaining an attitude of thanksgiving in your troubles and trials. When you pray and you go to the Lord about your problems and your troubles and your trials, when you go to him with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, you are, you are letting him know that he's still on the throne of your heart and that he's still in his rightful place in your life. Our problem is we, we allow other things to take precedence in our life. Do we have troubles? Yes. Do we have trials? Yes. But sometimes our troubles and our trials and our issues get bigger than the Lord does to us. And when we focus our attention on our troubles and our trials and not the Lord, we do not offer him the thanksgiving that he is due. All right, so, by, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, like this, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. And it don't end there. This is through Christ Jesus. You know how you have peace? Through Christ Jesus. Do you know how you say a word that's fitly spoken at a right time in someone that needs a help that is weary? Through Christ Jesus. Do you know how you bridle your tongue when James chapter number three tells us that it's a, an unruly evil that cannot be tamed? We can't tame it. We do it through Christ Jesus. I want us to understand today, friend, we have trouble. We have problems. We have issues. We have trials. We have worries and we have cares. And I, I, I don't want to be so super spiritual tonight that I act like I don't ever have a worry that controls me. But I do have to check back into reality and realize, hey, at the end of the day, I can have peace over this because I'm going to go to the Lord with thanksgiving and I'm going to pray about this and put it in his hands. And at the end of the day, I can get peace. When I have when I have conquered this, not conquered my problems, not conquered my trials, but Paul, this man that's writing these things, has a thorn in the flesh. You do understand that. He does have some problems that he hasn't got victory over as far as the problem is concerned. But although he's got the problem, he's still got the peace. And I thank God that we can have the peace. Some, some people think we can't have peace unless we get rid of our problem. But we can have peace in our problem if we do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not natural. It's not natural to have peace in amongst your problems. It's not natural to bridle your tongue. It's not natural to be able to speak a word in the right time, in the right season for somebody that's weary. But it can be done through Christ Jesus. So here's what I, here's what I want to deal with. We need to focus our attention back on the Lord and give Him all of our thanksgiving. And I like this. We can still go to Him. Be careful nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. We can go to him in prayer with our problems, but maintain thanksgiving in our heart, and we can get victory over what's fretting us to the point that it's eroding our mental state and our physical state, and have peace and have the freedom from the agitation, the disturbance, the fear, the terror, and the anxiety, and live a life that's calm through the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. When we get to the place where what we want in this life is simply to, above all things, bring glory and honor to the Lord, maintaining a, an attitude of thanksgiving towards the Lord, other things get a lot smaller. The, the troubles, the trials, the problems uh, that the devil throws at us, oh, they're real. There's no doubt about that. But I'm thankful that the Lord I serve is real. See, that's the beautiful thing about it tonight. The Lord that we serve is not in a tomb somewhere. But three days after he went in the tomb, he come back out of it. And he lives and abides in my heart. 
And I thank God tonight that I can have peace. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. What we focus on, what we pay attention to, is, is, is fretting and worry real? Sure is. And uh, we could act super spiritual tonight and act like somebody doesn't have the right or they shouldn't be weary or they shouldn't faint because they can have peace. But I'll say this, if you've got victory over it, go ahead and help somebody else gain the victory. We ought to fight to get victory over it, but when we obtain the victory, we ought to do what we can to speak the word in the right time, in the right season, to help somebody who don't have victory over it. Because there's going to come a time when the tides are going to turn, and you're going to be the one that's in a situation where you need a word spoken to you in the right season. And so we want to love one another. And how do we love one another? We pay attention to one another. I'm not to be in your business, and I don't have to know everything about your personal life, and you don't have to know everything about mine. We can pay attention to one another, and when we care and love about one another as much as we love ourselves, we're in a position to where we can control our tongue, bridle that thing back, and actually use it for something good instead of something bad. It's, the Bible says it gives blessings and cursings. So that tongue that has the ability to curse and do wrong also has the ability to do right. But we have to curb it and bridle it and we do it one way. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all for Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Thank you tonight for helping us, Lord, to deal with the tongue and a soft answer and what you expect out of us. And Lord, I'm thankful uh, that I can't have victory over my tongue. And Lord, that shows me first and foremost, I sure have a lot of room for improvement. And I pray, God, that you'd help us. I'm certain, Lord, that amongst the in our midst tonight, there would be many that could say that there's room for improvement uh, regarding this matter that's uh, with this, this member that's within our lips. And I pray, God, that you'd help us not to hurt the people that we love, but to care for the people that we love and to consider each other and what each other's going through. And then, Lord, to pray and to consider and to study and to know through the Word of God how to help somebody, Lord, that needs an encouraging word. There's many people tonight that are going through issues and struggles and trials, personal problems, Lord, uh, that we need to be able to help them through. And the only way we can do that is through the Scripture, through the Word of God. Help us, Lord, not to lean on our own intellect, uh, on our own opinions, what we think should happen, what we think should be done. But, Lord, in every question or every trial or every problem that we witness a fellow brother or sister in Christ going through, we always go back to the scripture and when we speak, we speak as of the oracles of God and I know that it's always fitting and right for the word of God to be spoken. We'll accomplish that word to you sent it and I thank you for that great truth tonight. Help us Lord we pray to get a grip and a bridle on our tongue to, to, to control our bodies and Lord, to care and think about it, consider and focus and ponder even on each other and the struggles and the trials that they're going through. Lord, it will help us to disengage from some of our problems and help us, Lord, to engage in others and help encourage them on and to edify and to love one another. Lord, that's what we need to church that's strengthened uh, and tight-knit, not one that's breaking apart or falling to pieces in a world that is falling apart and falling to pieces, but to strengthen one another through the scripture that is the tie that binds, that holds all of this together, the piece, the missing piece of the puzzle that folk are not utilizing today. Help us to get, grab that missing piece and put it back in place once again, and Lord, to maintain and continue on in a church setting 
Lord, in a body of believers that care and love for one another to the place that we're willing to put our own problems aside sometimes and look towards and help others that's going through their own troubles and trials. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Help us to get victory over this in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.